0: But what we're going to see today here in Exodus chapter 12 is really the culmination of all that God's been doing in redeeming his people. Moses, we say that Moses is redeemed and his name means drawn out. Remember, he was drawn out of the river as an infant. The the Pharaoh's daughter found him. And picked him up and drew him out. And she named him. And she said, he's Moses. Because I drew him out of the water. Well, God, God's hand was in all of that, of course. Because God is saying, I drew him to myself. I drew him out of this world. Just like he drew you. He called you and brought you unto himself. If you know Jesus as your Savior. And we could call you Moses. We could call you redeemed. Because that's what it means to be saved is to be redeemed. Jesus paid the price for our sin. He shed his own blood and bought us and brought us to himself. What a savior. We've watched Moses obey the Lord and deliver the message to Pharaoh. Let my people go. That was the message of God through Moses. Moses delivered the message and God did the rest. We learned last week how God unleashed his fury on the people of Egypt. And, it, and we ended last week <clears throat> at, the, at chapter 11. We ended there with the tenth plague, the final plague. We talked about it for a moment and now we're going to look at it in detail. This is a plague that has the potential to affect everyone, Egyptian and Israelite alike. Remember how some of the plagues, God made a definite line of distinction between how Egypt was affected and how Israel was affected. And God sheltered Israel from that. But this is a plague that has no respect for any boundary line or anything, but it's a a plague It's a moment where God is looking at the hearts of all the people. And what he's looking for is faith. Let's read Exodus chapter 12, verse 1. We're going to read the first 11 verses. Please follow along. Exodus 12, verse 1. And the Lord spake unto Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt, saying, This month shall be unto you the beginning of months. It shall be the first month of the year to you. Speak ye unto all the congregation of Israel, saying, In the tenth day of this month they shall take to them every man a lamb, according to the house of their fathers, a lamb for a house. And if the household be too little for the lamb, let him and his neighbor next unto his house take it according to the number of the souls. Every man according to his eating shall make your count for the lamb." Your lamb shall be without blemish, a male of the first year. Ye shall take take it out from the sheep or from the goats, and ye shall keep it up until the fourteenth day of the same month, and the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill it in the evening. And they shall take of the blood and strike it on the two side posts and on the upper posts of the houses wherein they shall eat it. Verse 8, And they shall eat the flesh in that night, Roast with fire and unleavened bread, and with bitter herbs they shall eat it. Eat not of it raw, nor sodden at all with water, but roast with fire, his head with his legs, and with the pertinence thereof. And ye shall let nothing of it remain until the morning. And that which remaineth of it until the morning ye shall burn with fire. And thus shall ye eat it with your loins girded, your shoes on your feet, and your staff in your hand, and ye shall eat it in haste. It is the Lord's Passover. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we're so grateful that you recorded these events, that you painted this picture of redemption, not just for Israel, but for anyone who would believe on you. We thank you and we give you praise today that you are the mighty God, that you are powerful and that you are a righteous and good judge. I pray that you would help us to follow you, to submit to you. I pray that you would help us to be eternally grateful for the salvation that you provided, for redemption that is ours. But I pray too that you would help us, that you would give us that desire in our hearts to follow you and to live your purpose, the purpose that you have for us, I pray that we would find it and do it. I pray, God, that you would help anyone listening that that has never been saved. I pray that they would see that this, this lamb that was slain is a picture of your own son, Jesus Christ, and how you gave him to be our Savior, how he gave himself to shed his blood for our sin to give us eternal life. God, we praise you and we thank you. And we ask all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. All of Israel has seen God work in their land of captivity. It's believed that they didn't know God well. In a way, they'd forgotten over 430 years of slavery in Egypt, they had in a way forgotten about their God. They'd at least forgotten about his power and maybe they'd forgotten some of the promises that he'd made to their fathers. But they know something about him now. They know that he is greater than anything Egypt had to offer. God's proven that. They've seen him work. All of this has been him working to bring about their freedom. Isn't that a wonderful word? Freedom. To bring about their freedom that they have, that that he's providing for them. But they're not free yet. But I'm telling you, freedom's at the door. Or you might say in this case, that freedom is on the door as they as they paint the blood of the lamb. This final plague leads into the event called Passover that is still celebrated by Jews around the world to this day as it should be. Passover is a very complete picture for us of salvation and the coming redeemer. Remember a couple years ago when Ron Plott came and we all gathered in the fellowship hall on a Sunday evening and The Passover table was set. And he talked us through this ceremony and he showed us uh, the Bible instructions for how it should be observed. And he talked to us even about some traditional things that are done and some interesting things. But what did he do with all of that? He brought it all right back where it belongs to Jesus Christ and showed us Christ in the Passover. And you can't help but look at this without seeing Jesus. What a picture! In fact, it's in verse 11 of what we just read, Exodus 12, verse 11. It's in verse 11 there that the word Passover is first found in the Scripture. This is the first time it's used because God's explaining it and ordering it for the very first time. Now, this isn't the first time the message of salvation has been made, has been made known to people. Because you'll find Jesus and you'll find the idea of salvation and the promise of salvation even several times in Genesis and coming into the book of Exodus. We see it here. So it's not the first time that the salvation message or promise has been given, but you might say it's the clearest picture that Israel and all of mankind could have of what Jesus would do. So let's hear it. Let's look at it and see it today as God lays it out. I want to just... Share this with you as in the most simple form that I can. I want to break it down for you like this. First of all, we're going to talk about what God said. Okay? That's simple, isn't it? What God said. Okay? Here's what God said is to be done. Um, I want to remind you before we go into that that oh, I just want to kind of set the scene for you again. Because the plague of darkness had come upon Egypt, a darkness in which could be felt—an evil darkness. In, in Israel, in the land of Goshen, with the people of Israel, they had light in their homes. But all the people of Egypt, Pharaoh included, are in the dark for three days. They couldn't leave their homes. They couldn't go and do anything because it was so dark. Pharaoh is just beside himself. And he tells Moses, he says, ask God to turn the lights back on. And then he says, I don't ever want to see your face again. That's what Pharaoh said to Moses. Moses said, you've said well because you won't see my face again because God's just about to wrap this whole thing up. And he stands there and I believe in the earshot of Pharaoh and and the members of his court that would be gathered, and anybody else. And the message is relayed throughout the land of Goshen and to the people of Israel that God's going to do one last thing, that God's going to do something that will crush the land of Egypt. Verse 4 of chapter 11, Moses said, Thus saith the Lord, About midnight I will go out into the midst of Egypt, And all the firstborn in the land of Egypt shall die from the firstborn of Pharaoh that sitteth upon his throne, even unto the firstborn of the maidservant that is behind the mill, and all the firstborn of beasts. And there shall be a great cry throughout all the land of Egypt, such as there was none like it, nor shall be like it any more. Now that's all we know about it until we get to chapter 12, and this is what God said Chapter 12, he tells them, first of all, that he's going to do something that is so amazing and so important that it will change their calendar. You see that? He says in verse 1, this month, excuse me, verse 2, this month shall be unto you the beginning of months. It shall be the first month of the year to you. Can you imagine our government saying to us, we're going to have an event, and it's going to be so important that from now on, reset your calendars. March 24th is now January 1st, okay? We're going to reset from here. That's just, that would be a pretty important event, right? You know, I've heard that in communist North Korea, that they keep track of the year not it's not 2019 to them it's i don't know how many i'd have to do the math i don't know how many years but they begin their date their year at the time of their first um, communist dictator kim ung sung i think the first one they begin that's when they begin their year so to them it's year 103 or whatever i guess not even that many um God says this event is so important that you're going to know from now on that this is the beginning of the year. And still today, the Jewish people recognize this time of year, and it's almost time for Passover. It will be celebrated around the world. I think it's on April the 20th. It's the day before Easter. That's when Passover will begin. Um, So the people... They mark the year, you know, from this moment on. They keep track. They have a different year that they go by, but they also begin this as their new year, okay? That's a pretty important event that God would say, we're going to recalibrate things based on this. It gives this event such an importance that can't be overlooked. You know, someone said this, that... Jesus is such an important figure in the world that he broke history in half. Because we date our years B.C. before Christ and A.D. after Christ, or in the year of our Lord. I'm reading a a book, an ancient book, really, um, my copy's not ancient, but it was an ancient book about um, King Alfred, Alfred the Great of England. And it was written by one of his priests that were there with him. And I noticed this priest, as he writes, he'll he say, he won't say year you know, 838, he'll say um, 838 years from our Lord's birth. You know. And he's just AD, he's saying AD when he's writing. But that's how, that's how pivotal Jesus and his coming is to the world. And it just kind of mirrors this event and the importance that God would change their calendar. Now let's move on. What, what else is God saying? He's saying to take a lamb. He's saying take a lamb for everyone and for every household. You see that in verses 3 and 4. In the tenth day of this month, they shall take to them every man a lamb according to the house of their fathers, A lamb for a house. A lamb for everyone. A lamb for every family. God told Abraham that he would do something through him and through his family. Whereby all the world would be blessed. All the families of the world would be blessed. And he was referring to Jesus Christ, the lamb coming. This lamb, in verse 5, we learn that it must be a lamb of perfection. A lamb without spot, without blemish. Look at verse 5 also, it says, And you shall take it out from the sheep, or from the goats. It's a lamb of separation. A lamb that was to be separated from all others. It was a lamb, like all the other sheep were lambs at one point, or are sheep. But this lamb is separated, is different. And this reminds us how Jesus came and he became a man. He was a man. He was ever bit the man that you are, he was ever bit the human being that you are. The same feelings, the same emotions, the same fatigue, the same worries, the same struggles, but without sin. He was just like us, but he was separated. He's holy. Verse 6 tells us that they should take that lamb and keep it up until the 14th day of the same month. They're to take this lamb on the 10th day and separate it. Bring it somewhere else. Bring it into the yard. Fence the yard in and keep it in the yard. Not out in the, in the pasture with all the other sheep. Maybe if they didn't have a barn or if they didn't have a yard where they could pen him up, he might have come into their home. They might have kept that lamb in the house with them. Now, I don't know about you, but I think lambs are just about the cutest creature that God ever made. Aren't they? Beautiful, cute little, innocent little creatures. And uh, they're, they're just about as cute as puppies. Okay? Now, I don't know about you, but it's amazing how you can get attached to critters, right? Well, you probably, you probably all have had or have right now a pet that you love and adore. I'm not sure about Nala. If I would say I'm quite at the adoration level, but I like her. Okay, I like her. She grows on you, and drool, and drools on you. But um, you know, I, we like her. Uh, this little lamb. How do you think the kids felt about this little lamb? How do you think the kids felt about this little lamb after four days? They'd love this little lamb. I think God did that because he wanted this to mean something to them. He wanted this little creature to mean something to these families. Don't just grab it and turn your head and do what you have to do and slay the lamb. No, take it, keep it, take care of it, love on it. For these days, a lamb of familiarity. But look at verse 6. In the evening of that last day, the whole assembly of the congregation were to kill the lamb. Everybody on the same day at the same time experiencing the same thing. That would be a hard thing to do. It was a lamb that was to be killed. And not just killed, but bled. A lamb that was to be bled. Verse 7 says that they were to take the blood and strike it or paint it on the two side posts and on the upper post of the houses wherein they shall eat it. So God's telling them what to do. Okay, To take the lamb, to kill it, to take its blood, and to paint it on the doorway of the house. And it was a lamb that was to be killed and bled, but it was also a lamb that's to be received. Because what are they to do after they paint this blood? After they kill this animal? They're to take it, roast it, and eat it. That's receiving that lamb well, I can't think of a better picture a better way to show it and so the instructions are given in verse 8 that they're to they're to roast it that night and they're to make unleavened bread and eat it with that bread and bitter herbs they're also told that they're to eat, all of the lamb. And anything that is left over after this one night, they're to burn in the fire so that there's nothing left. And they're also to eat it quickly. They're not worried about indigestion. They're told to eat it in haste. They're told to eat it with their shoes on, with their coat on, holding their staff. Can you picture that scene? This family, this ancient Jewish family gathered around the table, eating with their shoes on, ready to go. The Lamb of God, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us, is to be received in this same way his body was given it was scourged it was pierced and completely killed he died but he's to be accepted and received completely Amen. solely even as in only him is to be received as savior The bitter herbs that they were to consume remind us of what he faced, what Jesus faced in becoming sin for us. I think it pictures too the heartache that those families felt as they killed that lamb. The unleavened bread reminds us of holiness, the holiness of our Savior who was given, the innocence of that lamb. Jesus had no sin. And listen, receiving Christ as your Savior. It means that you're ready to leave. These people, are, God's not, God doesn't do anything just because. He always has a reason. Sometimes, I'll admit, we don't understand it. Sometimes it's not made as clear as it is right here in this instance. But God's telling them to eat ready to go because they're going to go. Because when this night is over, even before dawn, Pharaoh's going to be saying, get out of here. Go. And the people have to be ready to go. Oh, but how wonderful it is for you and I as believers in Christ to know that we're ready to go. We can know and have confidence that we're ready to leave this world and go to the next. If Jesus is your Savior, you can have that peace and that confidence. We should be ready to leave the old life behind. With old those old purposes, that life without purpose. We should be ready to live in the promises that God has for us. Remember, they're on their way to somewhere. God's intention for them wasn't to wander in the wilderness for 40 years. He wanted them to go from point A to point B. His plan is for them to move from slavery, experience redemption, and live in promised land. God's ideal for you, His plan for you, is to experience redemption, salvation, and then to transition into the life of promise and the life of blessing. Aren't you glad I didn't say heaven? Not quite time to go to heaven yet. But we can live in promise and blessing right here, right now. That's what God has for us. And it's redemption that makes us prepared for all of this. That's what God said to do. He tells them, this is, at the end of verse 11, this is the Lord's Passover. This is the Lord's Passover. Now, that's what God said. now let's look at what God will do. He says, here are some things that I will do. Verse 12. For I will pass through the land of Egypt this night and will smite all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast, and against all the gods of Egypt I will execute judgment. I am the Lord. Verse 13. And the blood shall be to you for a token upon the houses where you are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you. And the plague shall not be upon you to destroy you when I smite the land of Egypt. This is what God will do. He says, I will pass through the land, and in one night I will kill the firstborn of every one and everything. In the previous chapter, he said, even the beast of the field, the firstborn of those creatures in the field will die. He said, everybody, from the greatest to the lowest will experience this judgment. I will pass through the land and kill the firstborn. He says in verse 12, I will execute judgment upon those false gods of Egypt, upon the false faith faith of the people. See, when God looks at us, He's looking. He doesn't look for perfection. Can I get an amen? Amen. Hallelujah. Because He wouldn't find it He looks at hearts that have been redeemed. He looks for hearts that have put their faith in Jesus Christ. That's what he looks for. He says, I will execute judgment. Look at verse 13. This is beautiful. He says, the blood shall be a token upon the houses where you are. And when I see the blood... He he sees. He says, I will see. I'm going to pass through and I'm going to kill. I'm going to pass through and I'm going to execute judgment. But he says, I'm going to pass through and I'm going to see every house that has the blood applied to the doorway. And under his watchful eye, he doesn't miss anything. And he says, when I see that blood, I will pass over. I will pass over your house. The death angel will pass over Because you'll be protected and that judgment won't come upon you. The people in those homes where the blood was applied slept peacefully that night and they didn't wake up to death in their house. They woke up with life, with new life and new freedom. He says, I will pass over. He's saying, I will save you. On this night. That's uh, what he said he would do. And this is what he did in verse 29. The same chapter. Exodus 12 verse 29. And it came to pass. That at midnight. The Lord smote all the firstborn. In the land of Egypt. From the firstborn of Pharaoh. That sat on his throne. Unto the firstborn of the captive. That was in the dungeon. And all the firstborn of cattle. And Pharaoh rose up in the night. He and all his servants. And all the Egyptians. And there was a great cry in Egypt. Hear the cries of their mourning. All throughout the land. For there was not a house. Where there was not one dead. Just think of it. There was not one dead. Egyptian household that didn't have a death. I, I referenced I referenced that uh, ancient Egyptian poem last week, and that Egyptian that wrote that testified that these events happened, and about <clears throat> about this Passover, the passing over of the death angel. He testifies the validity of that verse and he says everyone was burying his brother. Can't imagine a thing like that. Can't imagine a scene like this. But God said what he would do and he did it. But this is what everyone must do. Look at verse 21. See, God was explaining and he was very detailed and he was very careful and he even repeats himself. And and before you get to verse 29, when it actually happens, he said, now here's here's what you have to do. Here's what every person must do. Verse 21. See, God told it to Moses and then Moses told it to the people. In verse 21, then Moses called for all the elders of Israel and said unto them, Draw out and take you a lamb according to your families and kill the Passover. And take, and ye shall take a bunch of hyssop and dip it in the blood that is in the basin and strike the lintel and the two side posts with the blood that is in the basin. And none of you shall go out at the door of his house until the morning. Stay in there where it's safe. For the Lord will pass through to smite the Egyptians, and when he seeth the blood upon the lintel and the two side posts, the Lord will pass over the door and will not suffer the destroyer to come into your houses to smite you. You see what's implied there in verse 23 that he would, that he would come into their houses and destroy the firstborn. You see, we're told we're told here in the scripture that. There wasn't one Egyptian house that didn't have a death. And it doesn't appear that any of the Israelite people disobeyed and were killed. But the fact is, God doesn't differentiate between the two. He's not looking for Jews or looking for Egyptians, He's looking for the people that did what He said. That's who He's looking for. They weren't safe because they were Israelites. They were safe because they obeyed what God said. They were safe because they believed his word. They believed what he said. What is it that everyone must do? And I'm not talking about everyone in this story. I'm talking about everyone in this world. What is it that everyone must do? It's place ourselves under the blood of the Lamb. The people, the Israelite people, They could sit in peace in that house and know that they were under the blood. That the blood was painted over their doorway. We sang that song tonight. Today. When I see the blood, I will pass. I will pass over you. They believed that promise. But that promise rings true today. Because who is it that goes to heaven but those who are under the blood. Without the shedding of blood, the Bible says there is no remission. God's making that point clear here again in this instance. In fact, when Adam and Eve sinned in the garden, God killed an animal, maybe a lamb. He killed an animal to make skins for them, to make clothing for them, because they knew that they were naked. Their innocence was gone. They knew that they were in sin. In other words, something had to die. Blood had to be shed. And that was the first time that had ever happened in this world. Now this innocent lamb's been killed. The blood has been applied. God's making his point very clear. And if you know anything about the the kind of death that Jesus died, his blood was emptied out of him. What is it that everyone must do? Place themselves under the blood. How do you do that? You believe. See, the people, it wasn't their work of slaying a lamb and painting blood that saved them. It was the fact that they believed God's word through Moses. And they said, we better do this thing. Because we know this God is real and true. And this is what he says we must do. Do Hey, do you think they understood it all? Do you think everybody on this first night sat back like we do today and said, wow, that kind of reminds me of Jesus. No, I don't think they quite understood like we understand. I I think they understood by and by. Maybe Moses was giving some teaching to the people. Maybe later after these events, Moses said, hey, this all means something more than just getting out of Egypt. This tells of our Savior, our Redeemer, the Messiah that will come. Maybe Moses talked to the people that way. So I don't know if they understood it like we understand it. But I'll be honest with you, I don't understand, I'll be honest, I don't understand everything about salvation. I don't understand absolutely everything about what God's doing and what God's done. I can read and study in His Word and I can learn more and it's wonderful to do so. But I don't have it all figured out. But I know this. I know that He said, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by Me. Now if he says that, that's good enough for me. I'll believe that. I'm, I'm reminded of what Paul said to the Philippian jailer. They'd been witnessing and testifying. He and Silas all night in prison. And the jailer was there. The door. God sent an earthquake, shook the place. The doors, The cell doors opened. That jailer, he thought he was a goner. He thought they'd all escaped. And he'd been told that if those prisoners escaped especially these singing Christians, if they escape, you'll be killed. He was just about to take his own life. Paul said, stop, we're all here. We're still here. We didn't go anywhere. He fell down before Paul. He said, sirs, what must I do to be saved? I don't know how much a gospel that man had heard. I don't know how many sermons Paul preached through the night. I don't know how many songs he'd sung. Maybe they sang, When I See the Blood. Maybe they sang that song. Or something like it. First century version. I don't know how many sermons he'd heard. didn't really matter because he heard the last one and he believed it. Paul said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. You know what? that jailer simply believed it. Hallelujah. By believing that Jesus was the answer, by putting his faith in Christ, that jailer was placed under the blood of the Lamb. And the same goes for you. Whenever that moment was in your life when you bowed your head and your heart And you said, God, I need you to be my Savior. I can't do it on my own. I can't get myself there. I'm not good enough. I need your forgiveness. I need your grace. I believe on you. You were placed under the blood. That's what everyone must do. This is the story. This is the message of redemption. Same... Israel, Egypt, you and I here today, our entire world, this is what they must do. Believe. They need to choose. People need to choose. Not everybody in Egypt had to lose a firstborn. It didn't have to be that way. The Egyptians were not condemned because they were Egyptians. They were condemned because they refused to believe the message. They refused to believe in the one true God that had shown Himself to them and turned their world upside down. For the life of me, I don't understand it. You'd think they'd be ready and willing to walk away from their gods, from that old life. But somehow the pull and the blindness is so strong. We see the same thing today. Many people just, nah, I don't want anything to do with it. Many people hear the gospel and they maybe they think it's too good to be true. Maybe God hasn't turned their world upside down. But it didn't have to be a death for every Egyptian household. God gave them the opportunity, just like God gives you and I the opportunity to believe Him, to receive Him. God says something else that they were to do Verse 24, Exodus 12, 24 says, And ye shall observe this thing for an ordinance to thee and to thy sons forever. God said, You're going to keep this feast on this day forever. I-, I just, that is so powerful. That God would order them to do something forever. You know, the world and Satan. And evil men throughout the centuries have tried to exterminate this people, the Jews. They've tried to eradicate them. But they've existed. God's preserved them. He's protected them down through the ages. And here we are in 2019, thousands of years after these events, and they're still observing this feast. And whether they know it or not, whether the world understands it or not, every time they do, they're reminding themselves, or at least you and I, the believing world, that Jesus died to pay the price for sin. They're to remember, because this is how God set them free. Look with me, please, in closing at verse 37. And the children of Israel journeyed from Ramses to Sukkoth, about 600,000 on foot that were men. That's how many, that's how many men. 600,000 men plus their families on foot that were, uh, that were men beside children. And a mixed multitude went up also with them, and flocks and herds, even very much cattle. And they baked unleavened cakes of the dough, which they had brought forth out of Egypt, for it was not leavened, because they were thrust out of Egypt and could not tarry, neither had they prepared for themselves any victual. Now the sojourning of the children of Israel who dwelt in Egypt was four hundred and thirty years. They're saying from the time that Joseph invited his brethren and his dad to come down until this moment, 430 years, even the selfsame day it came to pass that all the hosts of the Lord went out from the land of Egypt. It is a night to be much observed unto the Lord for bringing them out from the land of Egypt this is that night of the Lord to be observed of all the children of Israel in their generations. And you and I will never forget what God did in offering His Son, Jesus Christ, to be our Savior. But it's not enough for us just to remember. We should worship Him every day for this fact. We should live that. that He's our Savior. Amen. We should worship Him. He's, he deserves to be praised every day, and it, it must be remembered every day that He purchased the price of our salvation, our redemption. But why is it that God orders His people to remember, to remember, to remember? Because He says, I want you to tell it to your sons, and to your sons, and to your sons, and to your sons, to your sons what God did for us in setting us free. And you and I, our our remembering and our rejoicing and our worship must also evidence itself in us opening our mouths and telling those who are coming behind us, this is what God did for me. This is what He did for the world. And this is what He can do for you. Because He shed His blood. And anybody who would believe can find themselves in the safety of Being under the blood, the safest of safe, under the blood of the Lamb. One day judgment is coming. It is appointed unto man once to die. After this, the judgment. Everybody will face that moment. Everybody will face God. Are we ready to meet him? Yes. If you're under the blood, yes. You're ready to meet him. But if not, you must believe. Lord, we pray that you would just take this truth and sink it into our hearts. I pray that you would help us and make us... To always remember and and be glad and rejoice in what you did for us. Your love for us is amazing. More amazing than we can even understand. But we believe it. We believe that you came and died for us to be our Savior. If there's anyone that's not received you as Savior, I pray that they would. I pray that they would cast aside all doubt, that they would let go of whatever it is they're hanging on to, and that they would just cling unto You, and that they would put themselves in the safety under the blood. I pray that You would help us, that You would use us, that You would use our church to be that shining light, to deliver this message to all the world, To all the neighbors. To all of our friends. I pray that you would open up opportunities this week for us. And help us to be ready. To speak of that hope that lies within our hearts. Lord, we love you and we thank you for loving us. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.